Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you're listening. Welcome back to AI and the Future of Work. Thanks again for making this one of the most downloaded podcasts about the future of work. If you enjoy what we do, please like, comment, and share in your favorite podcast app. And we'll keep sharing great conversations like the one we have today. I'm your host, Dan Turchin, advisor at Insight Finder, the system of intelligence for IT operations, and CEO of PeopleRain, the AI platform for IT and HR employee service. We've discussed the future of identity management in the past with great guests like John Whaley from Unify ID. We live our lives online. The stakes are high when your identity information is compromised. New technologies from blockchains to biometric authentication to AI-based anomaly detection are maturing daily, and yet we still rely on traditional passwords and two-factor processes that are easily fished or hacked. The statistics are frightening. According to survey data collected last year by DataPro, 57% of people who have had passwords fished still haven't changed their passwords. 23 million accounts are still secured by the ever-so-popular password 1-2-3-4-5-6. I think I remember that reference from uh, Mel Brooks and Spaceballs. 51% of people reuse the same passwords for both home and work. Really bad idea. It's clear the future is different, but it's unclear which approach will prevail. We'll keep discussing what's ahead and ultimately we'll let you decide what form of identity management makes you feel most secure when you go online. Today's guest is here to educate us about one novel approach using token-based authentication to automate everything from age verification to customer onboarding. Jaime Ramirez founded Preventer in 2017 to modernize identity management. He's an expert in the fields of financial crime risk management, anti-money laundering, and fraud prevention, having provided IT consulting services for 25 years plus to South Florida's Latin America-based financial institutions. Get ready for a masterclass on the future of your online security. And without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome Jaime to the podcast. Jaime, what Why don't we get started by having you share a little bit more about your background and how you got into this space. Sure. Thank you, Dan, for a great introduction to me. Uh, Well, my my background is um, I've been in the space for more than 30 years working in the banking, technology, MSBs, and also the last 20 years working directly with the anti-money laundering and fraud prevention systems, applications, and doing consulting services to, to financial institutions. And the last five years um, with the digital identity management. So tell us about the problem that Preventer solves and specifically before Preventer, how did organizations navigate things like KYC, know your customer, or AML processes, AML anti-money laundering? And now that Preventer's in the market, which we expect is available that wasn't before? Well, I will say that, uh, you know, um, the, the industry, the financial uh, services industry has been working hard, uh, hard in, in improving or um, enhancing the know your customer and anti-money laundering processes in, 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 in every stage of the, 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 during the customer life cycle. Um, Preventor, uh, besides to, 
to be in, in compliance with all the regulations and, re and international recommendations uh, helps uh, financial institutions to automate the process, to digitalize and to automate the, the, the process to minimize uh, human errors, to, to improve the, um, the, the, the quality of the data because um, it's less uh, manual entry and obviously to reduce uh, the fraud. So pick one customer of preventers that you're really proud of. Tell us how they use the system and uh, what, was, what was the problem they, that they uh, chose to solve with it? Well, we have a few, few banks as uh, so customers. I mean, they, they used to do before uh, um, the customer onboarding manually at the, at the agencies. At the branches, so um, that will require um, like from five minutes to fifteen minutes, depending on the, on the type of the customer. And if it's a business customer, it may take a few days or weeks to do to complete the onboarding and know your customers. Um, then after um, the know your customer department or BSA BSA department has to or had to to verify the quality of the information and then according to this to do you know either to do the enhancing the enhanced diligence or that and then do the monitoring of the of the transaction of the customers that process will require um, a big staff in the compliance department so it used to be like one of the cost centers that requires more money in the in the financial institutions so by, uh, by automating this process, you basically reduce the time of the onboarding, reduce the personnel that needs to, to review the manual entries and have just few of those uh, KYC analysis, analysts to, to review the, any failed uh, transactions at the, at the onboarding, right? And then after the KYC is, is basically, automated so and and the bsa department can can be reduced in in, in personnel not not in in, in terms of um, uh, the number of people but they can they can use that personnel that that uh, human uh, force to to do other kind of analysis instead of manual entries I know that around the world, different countries have different regulations for how uh, identity management is handled. And one of the things I'm interested in is, I know Preventer has an international footprint in Latin America, parts of Europe, as well as the US. What's different mm -hmm. about uh, the, the, the market for identity management solutions based on those regional uh, regulatory frameworks? Yeah, basically the, the, the international regulations are like, um, I will say that uh, it has a framework. So in that framework, all of all of the countries are based on on, on similar regulations, and each country has um, a specific uh, requirements. So at Preventor, what we did is that we 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 try to cover the the as much as possible on the regulations. So if you are the country that your uh, jurisdiction does not require some of the features you just need to 
you know, um, uh, turn off that feature and then it's, 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 it's adjustable, it's flexible to, to your own requirements, the regulations, the local regulations. Though. But uh, international, the, the know your customer and the anti-money laundering is, is basically um, the, the same in all, all the globally, you know, it's just few, few things that uh, some, some countries requires more or less. About the GDPR, even though the GDPR is, uh, is very, is most used in, in, in or starts using it in Europe, I mean, the GDPR is globally. So um, you use the same, the same uh, uh, law requirement, no? legal requirements. Would you say that in regard to uh, identity or fraud detection and prevention, is the US ahead, behind, or about on, on, on pace with the rest of the world? No, I think that we are we are we are ahead in the, in the USA. Yes, you know, and there are some countries that uh, is um, they have different kind of rules based on the on the demographics um, uh, based on their demographics. No, like for example, um, in Latin America, maybe you need to. You, you need to um, to monitor the transactions not only by country but also by regions, by cities, by zip codes. You know because um, the the crime or the na- narco traffic uh, is more in in, in different kind of uh, in different cities. Uh, not too long ago on this program, we learned about uh, the future of biometric authentication, specifically mm-hmm. on uh, on edge devices. Uh, but using biometric authentication locally. And uh, the thing I was curious to know from you is what's, what's the unique approach that Preventer takes? I know there's, there are a lot of competing technologies and protocols and approaches. Uh, what, what is, uh, what's unique about Preventer? Yeah, so far we are offering a different, different kind of uh, biometrics authentications, um, the ID proofing, um, uh, face recognitions, video lightness detection, or, and also selfie lightness detection. We're also offering um, voice recognition. Um, all of them can be combined depending on the on 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 the type of risk the of the transaction or on the risk appetite of the each institutions. You know, um, and that can be configured in different type of flows. So you can have one flow for the onboarding. You can have another flow for like uh, recurring customers that are, you need to you need to authorize any any high risk transactions or even to do the pass- passwordless the login, for example, for for employees. Is any one particular biometric factor more secure than another? Like say a retina scan versus a fingerprint versus a selfie. Or is it best to combine multiple ones to increase the uh, overall security? We're not we're not doing the the fingerprints uh, because it, it has to it, that requires an special uh, and a specific uh, hardware. So what we do is that we do uh, face recognition, license detection, and voice recognition. Uh, I would say that um, the combination of the video by and voice is is the most uh, secure. Do you use a database that's external 
to the client? Do you have to go over the over the internet to get a match on the biometric data, or does that matching technology live locally on the device? No, uh, what we do is in the ID proofing, what we we verify the the document itself, right? Then what we do is in the with a selfie or with a video, we we do the the, the face recognition, likeness detection, and then the the photo. A match against the document. Then after what we have is an on-demand services to additionally verify that the, the content from the document against this, the local uh, civil registries. But that's, that's an on-demand services and it will depend on each country if the, if the authorities have a, like an API services that we can, we can access to, to do the verification. I had an opportunity to learn a little bit about how this is done in Indonesia, where there's a government registry and it's a company called Privy ID that has basically mm-hmm. uh, won the license from, from the government to use that government registry. Which countries have right. a registry that you can you, uh, access via an API? Well, in Latin America, most of them. Actually, United States is the only one so far that, I mean, they, they, they you can have access to it, but uh, you you have to have access by a state, by each state. There is no one um, API that uh, that you can that you can have all the the access to all the, the identities. But um, another another way that we do the ID proofing, which is more secure, is by reading the RFID and the electronic documents. So basically, that's that's. Um, you can if if you do the the RFID, basically you are uh, reading the the entire document, including the the photo of the person. So you don't you don't you don't need to go to any other local registry to verify. But so I think I'm missing how the how the workflow happens there. The the, the document. If you have, yeah, if you the, have like, like the identity document or a or and the the identity document has the RFID, um, the electronic chip. What we, what, you, what we do is that we read that, that information that is uh, stored in that, uh, in that chip, and that includes the binary data, data of the document plus including the photo of the person. Um, and I'm sorry, so is there a second factor? So if someone stole my driver's license, could they act as me for authentication? Or is there a second factor that involves a selfie or something to verify that? Yeah, 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 no, okay. of course. There would always yeah. be a second factor. <laughs> Yeah, it will also, yes. No, but I mean that you don't need to go to the local registry to, to validate the content of the information, you know, because you already have it there. It's unhackable. Yeah. I see. And, and so preventers owning responsibility for verifying that the person holding that document is actually the person that the, the document says it is. Exactly. Uh, so okay. the, the document holder is the document owner. That makes more sense. In the countries that have these registries, how do they require the citizens to provide their information to the registry? Is it required? How does that work? Well, those are those registries are the ones that are issuing the document. So they have the records of the customers, of the persons, of the people. You know, that those are the, the ones that are issuing. It's like a United States that are the, the, um, the driving license. And so if the citizens the DMV. Want- yeah. If the citizens want to use that as a form of 
authentication, then they need to provide the information, but they're not obligated to. There's no fine if they don't provide data to the central database. Is that right? No, the local registries, they have their information because those are the ones that are issuing the document, right? It's like the DMV you here in the United States, you access the driver license uh, database and then you have your information there. Right. So if I want to drive, then I need to provide that information to the government. Of course, or, or an ID, no? For minors. Makes sense. Is there any component of machine learning or automation or does, does the preventer system get smarter over time? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, how no, so? for, for, for the artificial intelligence, uh, arti- you will use the artificial intelligence and machine learning for the lightning detection, for example, for the face analysis to, to estimate uh, the age and the gender of the person, to, to estimate other factors of the person. So we use the artificial intelligence in, in most of our processes, basically. How do you mitigate for the impact, potential impact of a biased sample uh, generating either false positives or false negatives. For example, if the training data has, let's say, you know, uh, fewer underrepresented minorities, it's more likely to make wrong automated decisions when those underrepresented minorities are having their, let's say their age verified. How do you compensate for the fact that there may be bias in the data? Yeah, we, we, we... We we did a test uh, in the in the last quarter of the uh, in quarter four of last year. We we did a test of the bias, and then actually we we report the zero bias. Now we did a, a using the data of um, of some customers. We we work with them, and then we 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 test the bias to make sure that uh, you know we don't exclude anyone at the time that we do the 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 AI face recognition. And, you know, so far the, 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 the algorithms of AI are working fine. Where do you get the data? Let's say the faces or whatever you're using to do, let's say age verification, where do you get that data from? No, no, no. What I mean is that uh, the data that we use, we, we work in, in conjunction with some customers to use their data to do, to do this test internally in our labs. Yes. Right, but um, let's say um, uh, I'm starting a job and you're doing age verification using machine learning algorithm. Um, the, the data that the machine learning model has been trained on, where's that data come from? Well, no, the, the data that the, the machine learning that are, that are trained for is the data is using the, using the, the, the selfies and the documents and, and then, you know, you... What what you do is that you make sure that you know evaluating then that the data um, the the results from from this uh, process from these verifications are are okay or not. No, like you, you're reading a person that is one gender or one uh, ethnic, and then you're looking at the document, and then you see that the document is is according to with the results. No? Yeah. Right. So the document says uh, I'm a certain age and then uh, you, you can detect, let's say for my selfie, whether or not I am in fact that age. Correct. Yes. Um, and so there's presumably a, a, a database of selfies that you're using to train a machine learning model to be able to match the information in the document with the face of the person who's being, whose age is being verified. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, and so 
let's say my selfie is being contributed once I provide my selfie to Preventer, um, do, do I have the option to not have my, my selfie stored or am I made aware that potentially my selfie might be used to build a machine learning model? Well, of course, yes. By, by, by GDPR, yeah, you, you are in control of your data, yes. And the, our customers are in control of their data too, yeah. And so through GDPR, they have a right to be removed or at least a right to know what data is stored? Correct. Yes, you are the right to say, you know, I don't use my data, and then, you know, the data is being deleted. Yeah. Are there any examples of companies in your space that have had that kind of data breached? It seems like when it's being used for fairly um, high stakes use cases like, you know, identity, identity verification, uh, you'd have to be very cautious about how that data is used and, and secured. Um, what, what are the kinds of methods that you take to prevent a breach and are there any high profile cases of data like that being being uh, compromised well we we're using uh, our security um, and, and then we have some certifications under the cyber security you know to prevent that uh, you know attacks or anything like that and then we are also using aws which is most of the one of the most uh, secure uh, cloud-based yeah do you believe that uh, at any point in the, let's say, next decade, we will truly be in a passwordless uh, authentication environment because things like biometric authentication are more secure? Or do you think indefinitely we're going to be still having to you know, provide traditional you know, passwords, you know, text-based path- passwords and you know, SMS verification? Well, I think that, uh, you know... It- there will be more companies or more yeah more companies to to start using in the biometrics authentication but uh, still you will need to have the option to to use your password or uh, to, for login or for any kind of um, access no to to applications um, what I believe is that uh, um, these digital identities that uh, you are uh, you, that you have to uh, um, authenticate with other companies at the end you will you will be the owner of your uh, your identity and instead of authenticate with another company what, what you do is that uh, you will have to share your identity right so right now if you if you have five co- companies um, that you need to authenticate like financial services a bank or you know uh, mortgage company or any apps that they will ask you to do the the digital onboarding so you have to authenticate your document and everything by having you your id you just need to do it once and then you share your your identification right one if you have to update your address you don't have to update it update your address in multiple uh, application it will be in just one place. So imagine as an expert with all your years of uh, reg tech and uh, you know thinking about anti money laundering and that sort of thing, um, you're a pretty savvy consumer. So uh, what uh, what advice do you have for our listeners? Maybe that would be non obvious about how you protect your identity. Well, what I always say is that I basically make sure who you are sharing your your 
your personal information with your credentials, you know. Um, try to use two-factor authentications in, in every every application uh, because there are some 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 apps that uh, is optional, right? So it's up to you to to use the two-factor authentication. There are some that uh, force you to use it, but uh, there are others that it's up to you. So try to try to use that. Um, like you mentioned at the beginning of this uh, podcast, uh, no, don't use the same password <laughs> over and over. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite it's quite difficult actually. Uh, you have you know, like me, I have like I don't know like hundreds of uh, passwords from different applications. If you want to use one password per app, imagine it will be very difficult to manage. It seems like the bad actors always find a way to stay a step ahead of, uh, you know, consumers who are naive. Um, will that always be the case? Or do you think there'll be a time when, you know, the technology will actually, you know, outpace the bad actors? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, uh, you know, um, this, this, is, this is the beginning of the digitalization. This is the beginning of uh, how the everyone start working remotely. And then in the next few years, everything will be like this. No? Everything will be about digital IDs here and then um, biometrics authentications in every, every other application. And then, um, but uh, after that, you know, you know how is this? The cybersecurity is like you, you mitigate one of the, the fraud scenarios and there's another one. So, well, Jaime, this, this has been a pleasure. I got to get you off the hot seat, but uh, not without answering one last question for me. So uh, yes. you, uh, you're an expert in, uh, in security and identity fraud, but uh, you're also an expert in, uh, in South Beach and uh, Florida living, having been there for more than 30 <laughs> years. And I mentioned before we started recording, there's this uh, net outflow of talent from the Bay Area where I am in, in California to South Beach and areas around Florida. Uh, give us the pitch. What's so, what's so compelling about Miami and why, why is everyone flocking to there from uh, all over the country? I think the weather, no? <laughs> we have part of it. There is, uh, there is summer every, every, every day of the year here. Uh, Miami is becoming the, the hot up. I mean, it's, the, the, it's, everyone is coming to here to... Every most of the companies are opening an, an office headquarters uh, here in Miami. So, yeah, it's becoming a Miami tech. It used to be that Miami had to come to Silicon Valley to get the tech talent. Now it's going to be the other way around soon. Silicon Valley is exactly. going to, have to go to Miami to get the tech talent back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, it's been really enjoyable. Uh, where can our audience learn more about uh, Preventer? They can go to my my website. Uh, it's uh, preventor.com, very easy. And there is, a, there is a page of resources, so very helpful if they want to learn more about identity verification, fraud prevention, anti-money laundering. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, articles and resources. Good. We'll make a point of sharing some of that in the show notes. This has been great. Uh, thanks for stopping by. And uh, maybe you'll come back in, in uh, another time and we'll share an update on uh, the company and the state of the technology. Of course. Thank you, Dan. Excellent. Hi, Maeve. My pleasure. 
that's, uh, that's all the time we have for today's episode of AI and the Future of Work. I'm your host, Dan Turchin, uh, signing off for this week, but of course, back next week with another fascinating guest. Thank you.